Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. You hear that, Tom? I hear it. So what is that? It's reindeer. <laughs> it's reindeer. <laughs> Welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and uh, we're sitting here uh, in the <laughs> the luxurious corner sleigh of the Catholic yeah. Cafe. Yes. Uh, well, this is our Christmas show. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. As well. You know, we've 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 never done a we've never done a Christmas show. We haven't. And we got some special guests with us today. I see that. Yeah, they're trying to be on the nice list. Santa's helpers. That's right. We got uh, we got two little munchkins sitting across from me Some fine uh, in the corner men. booth. Yeah, and uh, one of them is uh, Noah. Say hello, Noah. Hello. And one of them is Eli. Say hello, Eli. Hello. All right. These are uh, <laughs> these are two of mine, uh, Eli and Noah. They are nine and eleven years old. So, you guys getting ready for Christmas? Yes. Sir. All right. Come on. You got to sound more excited than that. I mean, you're on the radio. I mean, there's a million people listening to you right now. You yes. Know? Yeah. All right, very good. Santa's yeah. listening. Yeah. I guarantee Santa is listening right now. Uh, anyway, so, you know, Tom, I thought that a great idea for a show would be helping us to remember and be reminded of the true meaning of Christmas. Great idea. I think that's fantastic. That's I why know. we get paid the big bucks. That's, yeah. I'm not going to retire anytime soon, just so you know. <laughs> but um, a lot of people really sort of compartmentalize Christmas. They, they put their... Um, their Santa Claus and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and their Christmas lights and their tree, and they put that over on this side, right? And they sort of celebrate that, and, and that ends on December 25th, yes. right? And then there's uh, the other side. There's the Jesus side, right? There's the, the birth of the infant and, and uh, that's come to save the world, and uh, that's the manger scene, and that's, that's really sort of the spiritual or holy side of Christmas. Mm-hmm. But what I want to do today is really talk about how those are actually united. They're the same that we shouldn't compartmentalize our Christmas experience, that perhaps we need to look at the meaning behind all of those different things and see if we can't find some um, Christian, spiritual, and more specifically Catholic me- meaning behind uh, some of these uh, wonderful Christmas traditions that we have. And so we're going to ask everyone to have yourself a Catholic little There's Christmas. There's no way I'm joining in on that. <laughs> Come on, sing with me, Tom. No, you're, you're much better than me. <laughs> I didn't chant it, though. I... All right, well, listen. So, listen. Uh, you know what? You know what we ought to start? Christmas. We should start with the word Christmas. There you you go. know, a lot of people think, well, where did that word come from? Well, I mean, everyone sees the Christ in there, right? The yes, Christ sir. of the Christmas. Right. That's Christ. Exactly. Right? So, we see Christmas. And so, we know that it's a Christian holiday because of that. What a lot of people don't realize is that that's actually from an old English derivation of Christ's Mass. Okay. So when we say Christmas, we're actually saying Christ's Mass or the Mass of Christ or the coming of Christ. So the Nativity of Christ was celebrated and was called Christ's Mass. This is an old English expression, and it has become Christmas. And so what's cool about that is like when when your Baptist friends remind you or Merry Christmas, and you can say... Thank you for reminding me. I, I do need to go to Mass on Christmas to celebrate Christ's Mass. Uh, so right. it's actually, and that's kind of neat to know that that's a, that's a Catholic uh, tradition that sometimes we as Catholics forget that we even have. I would agree. <laughs> you do? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, good. Now that you'll I'm know. sorry, I'm not helping. Now, another thing is when you go into the stores, uh, we get caught up in the shopping season, don't we? I think we're secularized to death. 
Yeah, sometimes it looks like that way. And so you go into the store and they'll wish you a happy holiday. Yes. Or if you're at work, they'll say happy holiday. Happy holiday. Which is kind of nice, and that's sort of the secular way of it's saying. It's politically correct. That's right. And you're allowed to say that because it doesn't involve Jesus, nothing spiritual, and so right. it's safe at the office, right? Right. And the reality, again, that's a, a version of happy holy, holy day. day. Mm-hmm. Right, so we're really having a happy holy day, and this is again from the Catholic feast days. Mm-hmm. Right, someone says we hope you have a happy holy day. It's the same thing as happy holiday. It's the same thing. So when someone says, "Well, I'm not going to say Merry Christmas," I'll say Happy Holiday. They're still saying, "Hey, we're celebrating the birth of Christ." They may just not realize that they're doing right. that as well. Right. Now, there's also this interesting thing that happened. I guess it really happened to us in like the, the 40s and 50s. And when I was a kid in the 60s, I remember seeing things that would say Merry Xmas. Right. And people would get a little upset that they were taking the Christ out of Christmas. Do you remember the, the little wristbands and the bumper stickers that said, keep Christ in Christmas? Yeah. Well, and so here's the thing. What a lot of people don't realize mm-hmm. is that the actual word for Christ in Greek is Christos. And that first letter is an X. And so starting like in the 16th century or so, they would abbreviate Christmas by putting an X in front of it. And that wasn't to be disrespectful. But that was because that was the first letter of the word Christ, the name Christ. And so Merry Xmas meant Merry Christmas. Interesting. Well, if you think about it, if you look at some of the priest vestments, they'll have IHS on them. And those exactly. are the first three letters of the name of Jesus. Right. And so the church early on, you know, with the Latin and the Greek and whatnot, would would always be using um, abbreviations for things. And that was okay. So it doesn't mean we should go around saying Merry Xmas, but at least know that there is a good, solid Catholic tradition and meaning behind Merry Xmas, and it's not as disrespectful as it might sound. Don't get dis- d- too disappointed or too upset when you see that is what you're saying. That's exactly right. Now, another thing, we, got, we let's turn our focus now to the Christmas tree. Okay. Boys, do we have a Christmas tree at home? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Is it pretty? Yes, it is. You must did, have decorated it. Uh, no. Did they decorate? Did you decorate it? <laughs> I helped. Yes, we did. All That's right. right. Exactly. exactly. They were probably the best decorators. Except Yay. for the other uh, the other kids, uh, but so let's look specifically. Hey boys, what is the Christmas tree made out of? Okay, ours is fake, but <laughs> what does it look like? Pine. Yeah. Pine. Okay, that's called an evergreen. Have heard that expression before? An evergreen? evergreen. Yeah. So an evergreen tree that's supposed to remind us of God's everlasting love. Right. So we see that. So it's not just. The fact that we happen to have pine trees and it happened to have take place at a certain time of year and those were the ones that happened to be green or whatever. But if you look at that and you realize what a Christmas tree is now, it symbolizes for us God's everlasting love. It's evergreen. It right. never grows old. It never dies. And, of course, that star up on the top of the tree. Mm-hmm. Tom, what do you think that is? I'm thinking that's the star that was set out for Jesus' birth. Right, so that's what led the wise men, right. the three the three kings. Bethlehem. That's a Bethlehem. And so that's that's kind of good that uh, we would have that star up there. And that's what we remind ourselves. It's not just a simple star, but that's the star that's to guide us uh, to Jesus Christ. And so we see that star. But, boys, what do we have on top of our tree? Angel. That's right. But were there also angels in the, in the Christmas story? Angels yes. filled the skies. That's right. Angels filled the skies. Exactly right. Very they good. were singing Gloria and Excelsis Deo. So Very it's... Good. Uh, glory to God on high, uh, and, and uh, 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 those angels there on top of our tree also uh, call us to glorify God. Uh, and of course, what do we hope to find Christmas morning, uh, Eli on, and Noah, under our tree? Presents. 
presents. Yeah, Eli <laughs> wants some presents too. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so the presents. Now, of course, we like presents, and presents are nice gifts, but... Those presents, what do, you, what do you think, Noah, those presents represent? What those presents represent Jesus. What the wise men gave, basically gave to Jesus. Oh, okay. Well, all right. So the, the, the gifts that the wise men gave to Jesus, so those could be presents for Jesus. But also they're presents for us. And the greatest present given to us was who? Jesus. Jesus. That's right. right. Smart. That's a deacon's kid right what, there. Man. They know what they're talking about. So those gifts out of the tree, while they're great, should not be the focus of our attention so much as they should point us toward Jesus Christ. Exactly. That's exactly right. Well, then there's other things in the Christmas world that we may not make a spiritual connection with, but things like the holly, holly mm-hmm. in the ivy. You've heard that uh, expression, um, but uh, the, the holly. And so what do you think we think of when we hear holly or we see holly? Well, you've got the thorns, you've got the berries, you've got the yeah. Well, all right, so the, the green, the, right? So the uh, the well, it's an evergreen, right. which is good, uh, but also it, it's got that thorny. It's a thorny bush, right? And so that's going to call to mind the crown of thorns, and those little berries are the drops of blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I think we can make again that connection, and a lot of people again don't realize that connection between what Jesus did for us even after the incarnation when he died for us, and Christmas, making that connection again between those things that have become secular. You go to any store, and they'll be happy to put up holly and ivy and uh, little uh, holly berries and whatnot and make you think, oh, that's so Christmassy, but it's not about Christmas. Well, it is about Christmas. Right. It's about that gift Jesus gave us. Uh, and, of course, usually we'll see that holly or even some evergreens wrapped in um, a circle. A wreath. We'll see the wreath. And the wreath is something that's going to point us also to something very, very spiritual, and that is the Trinity. Um, you know, when we play, pray the, uh, the glory be, uh, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. That whole part about as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever, that's that circle. That's that circle. That's eternity. There's no uh, the, the, the Alpha and the Omega. There's no beginning. There's no end. Is uh, the continuum of the Trinity. So we see that in in the wreath as well. Now you might be thinking, you know, the candy cane. That's <laughs> safe, right? Oh, you boys you like you like candy canes? They're pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, Eli's okay with the candy cane. They're they're okay. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like. I don't like candy canes if they're the mint kind. I like the flavor. Like the- All right, okay. well, look, here's the deal, though. You have to like candy canes now because, really, a candy cane is a spiritual food. Fancy that. A candy cane is in the shape of what? A shepherd's cane. A shepherd's cane or, or a, a crook or a, a, a shepherd's staff. So and that's to remind us of Jesus, the good shepherd, right? And what, what, what's on the candy canes? Stripes. That's right, stripes. And one's what color? White. White. What's the other one? Red. That's right. Red and white stripes. And so the, the white symbolizes the purity, the, the innocence of Jesus. And the red is the blood that he shed for us. And so, and, and it also calls to mind Isaiah's prophecy, by his stripes we are healed. And, and so even the candy cane is telling us a story. And, and as one of my priest friends reminded me, if you turn the candy cane upside down, it's the letter J for Jesus. So. There you go. Jesus. <laughs> That's exactly right. So we got more to talk about. Uh, with some, we got we're going to some really cool stuff here uh, after the break. 
Uh, but before we do that, I want to remind everyone to uh, email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com if you have any uh, comments or you want to make some show suggestions. And uh, with that, do not be upset. We will be right back. I'm Bester Zimski, and this is another great moment in church history. For some, Christmas would not be Christmas without Santa Claus. We visit him in shopping malls. He stars in hundreds of TV shows. Virtually all Christmas parades end with a visit from Santa himself. But not everyone realizes the holy and Catholic roots of the right jolly old elf, as Clement Seymour described him in his poem in the late 1800s. St. Nicholas was a bishop of the East European Diocese of Myra, what is now modern-day Turkey, in the early 4th century. Little is known of his day-to-day activities, and much conjecture and myth surrounds him. But what is known demonstrates that he was a generous, just, and holy man who led his flock in Myra as a living witness to Christ's love for all, especially those most in need. There are many stories from our Catholic tradition that have remained with us for these 1,700 years. In a time of great famine for Myra, Bishop Nicholas learned of ships carrying wheat anchored in the harbor, bound for other destinations. He asked the vessel's captains to spare just some of the wheat to feed his hungry people. They initially refused because every grain had been measured and was spoken for. Undaunted, he implored, If you do this, I promise when you reach your destinations, not one grain of wheat will be missing. Relenting, the sailors unloaded some of the wheat from each ship. This small amount of wheat fed the people of Myra, and there was enough left over to replant the crops for the coming year. And miraculously, when the ships delivered their cargo, none of the wheat was missing. Another tradition tells of St. Nicholas helping a poor man with three daughters, desperately in need of money for a dowry. Women without dowries were often sold as slaves. On three separate occasions, as each of the daughters was to be married, gold coins were anonymously tossed through the window by good St. Nicholas. It is said that some of the coins landed in the stockings drying by the fire. This led to the custom of hanging out stockings awaiting the gifts of St. Nicholas on the eve of his feast day. The generous, loving, and caring spirit of St. Nicholas certainly finds a home at Christmas time as a model of Jesus Christ. But Nicholas himself would most assuredly tell us that what we must never forget is that Jesus is the true reason for the season. St. Nicholas's feast day is celebrated by the Universal Church on December 6th. I'm Bester Zimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And there's the sleigh bells. <laughs> we're back. We're, we're you like in that, the, don't you? I love the sleigh bells. <laughs> I'm going to think of, see if we can bring the sleigh bells in for Easter or something, too, because I don't know. I just I, I like uh, ringing the sleigh bells. So, uh, boys, uh, are you learning a lot about Christmas and what it really means? Yes. All right. Good job. So uh, what did you guys ask Santa Claus for? 
nothing. That's kind Peace of personal. on earth and goodwill toward men. <laughs> yes! That is, <laughs> that is so beautiful. You have raised them well, haven't I'm you? I'm doing my best. All right, Dick and Jeff, I've got a question for yeah. you. I'm sure when folks were listening to the break, they were thinking, all right, man, these dudes are just really stretching this. There's no way you can connect candy canes and holly and all the other stuff that we talked about. There's no way you can connect that with, with um Catholicism or Christianity or any of that stuff. What I think would be a good thing to do is, if you don't believe me, based on what we said on that first half of the show, and you mm-hmm. think, all right, that's a stretch, let's listen to the second Stay half. Stay tuned. Yeah, because we're going to really now delve into some really deep Catholic stuff. Okay. And so I want people, especially the Catholics who are listening, to realize that Christmas is ultimately the it's the ultimate Catholic uh, celebration. The Incarnation is a, is a wonderful uh, gift to the world and and as catholics we should be honored and uh overjoyed at this time of year to realize that many of these traditions came out of the catholic church for yeah. instance hey guys who's the big guy with the white beard and santa santa, santa that's right santa claus and so of course a lot of people realize that's saint, saint Nick. nicholas right right so we've heard him called saint nicholas and but a lot of people don't don't realize that saint nick was actually an eastern european bishop of a place called Myra, which is – it's in modern-day Turkey now. Okay. And way back in the 4th century. And this tradition sort of uh, got blended with what we what we celebrate now. And so in – I think in Dutch, his name is Sinterklaas. Okay. And so you put that in there, you see Santa Claus. Okay. But basically Santa Claus's rich cultural history is Catholic, and it's St. Nicholas. So, again, thanks to the Catholic Church for for giving us Santa Claus. And he was responsible for delivering gifts and that sort of thing. There's a lot of traditions about Santa Claus that uh, that go back. Some are true. Some are probably, uh, you know, stretched a bit. Okay. You know, after 1,600 years, there might have been a couple of tall tales told. But, again, they're based in the reality of a real person. Okay. Right? And he he was a Catholic saint. And, of course, now we also know that we see bells all the time. We've heard the song, Silver Bells, Silver Bells. Sing it, heck sing we, it Tom. Heck, we heard the bells coming in. That's right. We heard the sleigh bells. So we hear the bells, and those are really associated with the church ringing her bells, right? And so that's calling people to come and to worship God. But boys at Mass, when else do we hear bells? During the consecration. That's exactly right. So when Jesus becomes present, truly really present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and the Eucharist, that's pointing us right to the Eucharist. So these bells, when we see bells, you think, oh, they're just bells. No, those bells are calling us to worship God, and they're calling us to be aware of Christ's presence among us, especially at Holy Mass. So that's a beautiful thing. Now, I want to turn my attention now to the nativity scene. My favorite thing in the holiday. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I and I think that uh, a lot of people will say, yeah, okay, I realize there's a spiritual meaning behind the nativity scene. But a lot of people don't see some of the rich symbolism and especially some of the very Catholic symbolism that comes to us in those nativity scenes. Okay. Let's start with those three kings. Three wise men. The three wise men. Mm -hmm. Very wise men. And, of course, we know that wise men still follow him. That's a bumper sticker. That's a Yeah, exactly right. So we got these three wise men, Mm -hmm. and they were bearing gifts for the Christ child. And what were those gifts? Boys, do you remember? Frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Okay, He's got each one right. He, Eli is, is grading him. He got an A. And so the gold, the gold is obviously something of uh, great value. Uh, it is pure. And, of course, it's fit for a king. And so we see in that gold, we see Jesus, the king of kings. 
right? A gift uh, fit for a king. And the, the other one you said was frankincense. Frankincense. Yeah, frankincense is a resin, which is a, you know, it's like a tree sap, a dried tree sap. And you think, gee, thanks. When you go to a baby shower, <laughs> here's some tree sap for your baby. But really, frankincense, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that was used to make incense. And that same incense that we use at Mass Boys, do you like it when we uh, when we get yeah, the, the yeah good. the thurible out there? Smell. It really smells good. Yeah, exactly right. Well, so the so the incense uh, rises like prayers to heaven. It takes our prayers right to God, and so that's something that the priest does or the deacon. But the, but we see there the priesthood of Christ, mm-hmm. and so we see in that Jesus, the high priest. It's getting pretty Catholic. Very Catholic. Now, what was that third gift you mentioned? Myrrh. Myrrh. Everyone always goes, what is myrrh? Yeah. Yeah. Myrrh. Myrrh? Oh, you know what myrrh is? I know what myrrh is. Myrrh is like a a scent that you put on bodies when they die. Wow. What? Yeah. Very good, Noah. That's exactly right. It's another resin as well. Uh, and it had many uses, sometimes to make perfume and, and, and things like that, to uh, uh, use in all kinds of uh, religious ways. But it was used by the Jews uh, in, at burial when you buried a Jew. In fact, uh, Scripture in John's Gospel tells us that Jesus was, his body was prepared for burial with like over 100 pounds of myrrh. So again, here's this third wise man bringing a gift of myrrh. To Jesus now again. Imagine you're at the uh, the, the 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 baby, the baby shower, shower, and you here you go, uh, young lady. Yeah, here's here's something for your baby's death. <laughs> I mean, that seems kind of weird, but the honest truth is, we should see in that the beauty of that. That again, we should understand that Jesus was born to die. Right. Wow. So you know that he's the King of Kings, he's the High Priest, and he was born to die. And so you start to see that purpose behind. Uh, Jesus and, and and who he was and what he was called to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, also the swaddling clothes. We mentioned swaddling clothes when I was growing up. Swaddling clothes, to me, I thought it was I thought of those downy commercials where the little bottle lands right. in the soft uh, <laughs> baby blankets. Yeah. And so, no, swaddling clothes are actually strips of cloth or um, uh, tightly winding around the baby, right? So this little baby is so tightly wound that you could probably drop the baby and bounce like a basketball, right? Right. But don't do that at home, by the way. That's not that's not good. Yeah. Uh, but Very not good. that's right. But but this is something they did to uh, the babies because it sort of uh, reminded the, the child of the womb, and they would sleep better. Mm-hmm. And they and then recently, uh, doctors have been recommending that again. So the, the last hundred years or so, you've had babies, uh, newborn babies, being tightly tightly wrapped in these swaddling uh, clothes. And oddly enough, there you go. That's what they do again at death. The baby. I'm sorry, the, the, the person to be born anew, right, to born into eternal life, right. is actually wrapped tightly uh, before burial. So, again, so the baby laid there in swaddling clothes, again, to tell us that Jesus was born to die. Another sort of ominous um, uh, prefigurement of Jesus' purpose here on earth. Now, of course, where, was, where did they put Jesus? Manger. In the manger. Now, when I was little, I thought a manger scene was like the whole big room or the or the, the little barn or the cave. Stable. The stable, right? That's what I thought the manger was. Right. But really, the manger was that feeding trough. Hmm. Yeah. So you think about it again from a Catholic perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, Noah, let me ask you this. 
when do we eat Jesus? Uh, the Eucharist. That's exactly right. So Every Sunday. Every Sunday. Good job, Eli. And so, you know, again, we see in Jesus, sim- the simple act of Jesus being laid in a manger is that he is there as food for us. He's the bread from heaven that is to be eaten by us. We're the, we're the beasts. In fact, anyone who thinks that I'm just making this up now, let's go way back to 430 A.D. with St. Cyril of Alexandria. He said, talking about Jesus, he found humanity reduced to the level of the beast. Therefore, he is placed like feed in a manger that we, having left behind our carnal desires, might rise up to that degree of intelligence which befits human nature. Whereas we were brutish in soul, by now approaching the manger, yes, his table, we find no longer feed, but the bread from heaven, which is the body of life. See, that's St. Cyril telling us that that's exactly what we're supposed to be thinking about with Jesus in this manger. He's to be eaten. And if that's not enough, son, one of my sons, where was Jesus born? What's the city's name? Bethlehem. 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 Does anybody know what that means? No. No? It's actually a Hebrew word. It's something to do with bread. I there you go. That. See? That's right. the, he's a, he's the deacon's kid. I tell you. Be proud. He's going to be a deacon. Yeah. Did well, you I'll review you, this with him before you got here? No. He just knows all the stuff because I talk just, about it all the time. I think. We, this is what we talk about at dinner. Hey. Other people talk about sports. We talk about, you know, things like Bethlehem. What does that mean? <laughs> Bethlehem is uh, Hebrew, and Beth is house, and Lechem is Hebrew for bread. So this is house of bread. And so Jesus is born in the house of bread. Now, in a manger. Is that in a manger? Yeah. So tell me this is not no, that's, that's Catholic. Neat. That's very Catholic. That's exactly, that's, that's what we're supposed to see. So, guys, are you all excited and ready for Christmas? Yes. That's right. Yes. Well, hopefully we'll have a joyous and blessed Christmas this year. And hopefully, after hearing all this stuff, that you two uh, listening will, will be able to take some of this, um, what was sometimes a secular idea of Christmas, and put it in a spiritual realm and understand that all of it is pointing us to the birth of Christ. And that wonderful gift. Amen. So let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, sent to dwell among us, like us in all things but sin. Help us to see in the gift of his incarnation your intense and undying love for us, and help us to share this Christmas joy with all we encounter. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. for listening to The Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.